Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On today's episode, we salute John Vitti. John's the man of many skills. He's been a layout, copy, and online editor for the sports department of the Boston Globe for 23 years. He's also been a high school journalism teacher, an elementary school newspaper advisor, high school newspaper advisor, and the founder of a journalism program for kids called Headliners in Education. Hi, John. Hello, Mark. Good morning. First question, very simple. We ask it of everyone. What's your journalism origin story? And this is only a half hour, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. So I went to Ithaca College and I was, uh, I was a business major for like an hour and a half. And then I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And along the travels when I was there, I, I did a lot of TV and radio and things like that. But what they didn't have there was they didn't have at the time any type of journalism degree or writing degree. So by the time I was done with school, I had to pick a major and I ended up as a philosophy religion major with all this background in, in, in writing and TV and things like that. When I got out of school with a religion degree, I think you can just be like Pope and that's about it. So there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of things I could, you know, that I was, that was on my resume. And after a little while, I didn't want to move furniture or dig ditches anymore. And the local paper at the time was looking for people to cover high school sports. And I said, yeah, I can do that. I get paid to watch sports. And they, I started freelancing for them and working for them. And, and then from there, I went to the Boston Herald in 88 and was doing the same things I'm doing now. It's writing, writing headlines, laying out pages, editing copy, nights and weekends. It was always sports. And then in 99, I moved over to the Globe, which was basically a mile away, same job, pretty much the same people, same hours. And so I've been at the Globe since 99. Now... Do you have anything in your background that would have lent itself to storytelling, teaching, anything related to journalism, like in your upbringing? No, but I, but I have two daughters. And so what, when they were both in grammar school, what led me to the teaching was they were in both in, in grammar school, Charlotte is three years older than Isabella. And it struck me that the kids, when they were doing their homework, kids of all ages, when they're doing their homework, could always bang out a page of math. Three times three is always nine, two plus two is always four. But when it came to writing, no matter how smart a kid might be, they always struggle because they want to be correct. And they want to be, they want that right answer in the same way they, that their math provides the right answer. So if I said something like, you know, write about your perfect day or write about your favorite day or describe my shirt, well, my shirt's got short sleeves, it's got coffee stains on it, I wore it yesterday, I got it for my birthday, it's got buttons, it's got crosses, it's got this. It, what do you want me to say? And so it struck me that if, ch if children, if students wrote more, then when they had to write more, they'd have that confidence and they'd have that skill set so they could, they could do it quicker, they could do it better, they could, you know, they could, they could say what they want to say easier. And so it struck me that having a student newspaper was a great way to do that because it would give them something to write about that was tangible. Here's our field trip. Here's a new teacher. Here's a you know, broken lockers. Here's a, you know, uh, a guest in the, in the school. And I said, geez, if we had a school paper, then the kids could write more and they would have that repetitions and, uh, of, of writing. So, we, so back in 2007, we started the Cunniff Kids News at Cunniff Elementary in Watertown, Mass., 
And it was because we had no money. It was just a, it was just an after school club. We did it online. And in 2007, online was really cool. It was like, wow, it's, you know, it's online. And anybody could play and it was free and it was just a club, but it, it was, it was automatically really quickly, very successful. And really quickly, kids from pre-K through fifth grade were participating. And they were from all backgrounds and they were from all ages and they were all from all skill sets and they really enjoyed it. And it struck me, although I started it as a writing, with a writing reason behind it or, you know, a writing purpose. Once we started doing this, it's, it's all these different elements of journalism and education just became so obvious. So, for example, interviewing hitting a deadline, outreach, marketing, photography, page design, web design, readership, editing, peer editing, description, you know, all the, all things like that, all those things are part of it. And, and it was, it crossed all, all kid boundary lines. There was no, there's no limit to who can play journalism. So they were all wonderful. And it struck me that not only, well, part of the story too, is that when you're even a kindergartner doing journalism is doing the exact same work as somebody at ESPN or the Boston Globe or Politico. It's who, what, where, when, and I can't make anything up. That's it. That's, that's it. That's journalism. And so they get that. They get, I have to ask you how to spell your name correctly because what if I, what if someone spelled my name wrong? What would, what, how would, how would I, you know, appear in there? So they get why 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 is important why when is important and they understand that and and it's different than there's lovely programs throughout schools there's model un but it's like pretend nations and pretend laws or it's uh, uh, you know you go into biology class or, or science class and you're dissecting a, a fake heart or taking a part of a fake body but journalism is is journalism whether you're in pre-k or in college or, or you know working for the boston globe and so it's they appreciate that real work and they appreciate and get the 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 value in it. Then you also have it baked in is that there's a real readership. So you you know for everybody who's listening who has a who has a kid or who was a kid, a kid comes home from school and mom and dad says, "How was your day? Fine. <laughs> Anything happen? No. Do you have any homework? Some. And that's it. That's the whole conversation. So there could have been like monkeys running across the hall, Trump and Biden could have shown up, there could have been a, you know, a, a snowball fight, you don't know. But having a school paper opens up that world of here's what's happening in the school, here's what the kids think, here's what here's what is good and bad and ugly and pretty and wonderful about the school. So you have a real readership from a school newspaper that you won't get anywhere else. And then you get the student, the whole student voice aspect of it. You know, the, the kids, regardless of their age, they have things they want to say. They have, you know, this is important to them. And, and there's no other way to, I mean, it's the best way for them to, to, to share that to a real audience of people who, who want to see it. it. And it's all based on nonfiction. It's all, it's all real stuff. So it's not, it's, it's not creative writing or anything like that. It's, 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 here's what I'm going through. Here's mental health and here's suicide and here's vaping and here's sneakers and here's haircuts and here's tattoos. And it's all part of the, it's all part of it. And it's all available. And so it's a win, 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 win. So I want to stick with this. Uh, we'll get to the, the Boston Globe stuff in a little bit. So what are, when you've taught 
and when you've advised, what are your classes like? And what are, what are your advising sessions like? They're pretty much the same because the way I've taught uh, uh, along the way, I, when I was, I was volunteering at first and from the kind of kids news, we went to the middle school and we started a, a newspaper program there and had it as a class there. And then while I was there helping that teacher, the high school teacher left. And so I became the advisor at the high school. And then they said, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you become the, why don't you teach the class? I said, well, I'm not going to go back to school. I'm not going to do that now. And they, they, I realized all you need to do is, you know, do, do some simple things to become a licensed English teacher, which I, which I did. So I got my English teacher's license and, and, and taught the, the English teacher, the English, I'm sorry, taught the journalism class at Watertown High for the past five years. And whether I'm doing an after-school program or volunteering or doing the high school class, it's, I'm just trying to give them all, show them all the things that newspaper and journalism can do. And I say newspaper and journalism, and to me, they're interchangeable. But to me, whether a kid goes into journalism or not is a bonus. I, I don't, I, I, it's not, I'm not treating it, I've never treated it as a way for them to be their path to career. It's not, you know, accounting two that leads them to accounting three, which leads them to their CPA. To me, it's always been, what I try to do is show them, I want them to, I want them to pick up qualities, I want them to pick up skills that they can then take into other classes and other parts of their world. So for example, if a kid can appreciate what a lead is and how a lead works, then when they have to write their history paper or their English paper, they can put that into play or description, or if they have to write a resume, or if they have to do an interview in journalism, and then they have a job interview, well, now they're used to talking to someone they don't know. And now they're used to asking questions. And now they're used to thinking on their feet. So to me, it's, it's, it's an element of there's all sorts, there's 10,000 little skills you pick up as a journalist or journalism student that you can then apply elsewhere. So if I have a school paper and it's going to take me an hour, it's going to take me an hour. I still have to do the school paper. But if I can make that be a half hour, yeah, because I'm really, you know, because I'm, I've, I'm confident in my writing and I know what I need to write and I know how to transition and I know how to put in description and who, what, where, when and attribution and things like that. Then my then my time of work will be that much less, and my story and my work will be that much better. So that's why I always pitch it as it's this isn't make work. I'm not giving you a word search just to fill the time. I'm showing you a web headline versus a print headline because you're on the web all the time. And this is why when you call up Vogue or or the LA Times, this is why the headline looks the way it does. This is why the 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 web page looks different than the front page. And, and all those all those little pieces are all very valuable to students of all ages. So yeah, so that I the last the last piece of that story is that I always say to folks that you know it's one thing to see Tom Brady playing football at the stadium. It's another thing completely to go to Target and wait in line and get his autograph. But it's a whole different thing to sit across the table from Tom Brady and talk about football or sports or marketing. And you can do that as a journalist and you can do that as a college journalist or high school journalist or middle school journalist or grammar school journalist. And you can't beat that type of access and education and learning. If you're, if you're a kid who's in, if, if little Mark is in AP history, 
Well, in AP history, you're going to, you're going to learn about 1976 and you're going to learn about the civil war and you'll learn about the depression. But if, if you're, if you like politics and you're in AP history and you're part of newspaper, well, wait a minute. Now you can start writing about, you can cover the, the election. You can call it, cover the school election, social justice, laws, Supreme Court, all those things because you're part of newspaper. Same kid, same school, same learning, but a whole different education because you're part of because you're part of journalism. We actually just went through that with uh, Ahmed Ahmed, the Nevada a student, high school student journalist of the year. What's the hardest thing about teaching? I'm, I'm sure it's harder for everybody. I didn't know I was in my 50s, I guess, when I started actually, you know, teaching for reals and, you know, and, and meeting the parents and things like that and giving out grades. I couldn't have done it when I was 24. I know I couldn't have done it when I was 24 because I didn't have the skill set. It's a lot of time. And I see it well, my colleagues at the high school, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of, it's all very important. There's a lot of things you have to do by state and, you know, state and school standards. And you want to take care of all the kids and they're all coming from a thousand different places. And it's, it's really, really, really rewarding. And it's really, really, really hard to do. And these last three years have been brutal, just brutal. Sure. How did you accommodate the pandemic? We were, we were like most people were online in 2020. We were online for the rest of that school year. And then 21, 2021 was a, kind of a modified, there were some kids who stayed home. Some kids were in school, AB days, everybody was in masks, a lot of Zoom. And then last year was, I thought, the toughest of the three because people haven't bounced back yet. And I've talked to a lot of people across the country and engagement, student engagement was really down across the country. They forget journalism in all things, plays and music and you know science club and all that stuff. Kids just weren't back yet. So I'm really excited about this year because I think I think that everyone, this was the bounce back year this year. All right, so we'll revisit the the education piece a little bit later on, but I want to go over to your duties for the Boston Globe as someone who worked in a sports department for six years. I'm curious how it is at the biggest of the big. So sports happens at night. Can you explain your duties and what a night in the life is like? Sure. So my actual, I guess my official job title is multi-platform editor. And the best way to describe that is, the best way to understand that is Persons at Fenway and other persons at the Boston Garden, somebody else is at Foxborough, and we're in the office or at home, and those reporters send us the stuff. And they send us the stories, and they send us their photos. And then we take that and we put it in the paper for home delivery. And we also take it and we put it online for readers, readers around the world. And so we write the headlines for the paper and for the web, and we write the captions for the paper and the, and the web, and we check the stats and we make sure all the all the swears are spelled correctly and all those things and all the, but we're, so we're, we're not just doing the web stuff. We're also hitting our deadlines to get the papers on the trucks and the trucks to get to the, to the readers. And how is a night like, uh, what is a night like game five of the NBA finals between the Warriors and the Celtics like? Busy, but there's a lot of busy nights. It ends up being, there's like, for example, the easiest night of the year is the Super Bowl. Because there's nothing else going on. It's, it really is. It's one yep. game. It's one game and there's plenty of photos and there's plenty of coverage. And that's when it's easy because it's only, it's a, it's a total of one, one event. I always say, people always say this uh, fall is, is the hardest, but I always think it's, this, I always think it's the hardest part of the year is Patriot. I'm sorry. 
President's Day to Patriot's Day, which is now moved into like June, because starting in President's Day in February, everybody's playing. You have college hockey, you have college basketball, you have the NBA, you have the NHL, NASCAR is starting, baseball's back in spring training, football's you know, doing the Super Bowl, then they quickly go to free agency in the draft. And then you have all your high school sports of all levels, they're still in play. And that rolls into March and April and you have NCAAs and then you have more baseball and opening day. And for us, it's the Boston Marathon. And then that rolls into the playoff runs of the Bruins and the Celtics. And then, oh yeah, and the, you know, this thing's of course like the Olympics is in there sometimes. And, uh, you know, the, the, the soccer is in there sometimes and, and all of these other things too. So it's the enormity of all of those pieces that come into play. And that's where it gets really, really hard with this. Some nights we just go, there's only five or six or seven of us and there's 10,000 stories that we have to take care of. And they're all fantastic things. One of the things I really like about being in sports is that it's sports. And even at the worst day, it's sports. It's not, I've done enough news and other type of coverage to appreciate that, you know, I get paid to watch football. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's, that's often why, why I did it, certainly. So just a brief overview of what process is like in terms of like who's in charge, how many reads, all the different kind of logistical things that go into making the section. On any given night, there'll be, well, just, just as an explainer right now, uh, this is as of, you know, September, 2022, we've been working from home since March of 2020. So two and a half years. And it's exactly the same job, except no one sees anybody. And which makes it really hard communication wise, because although the work is exactly the same, all that communication is really, really hard. Because if if I send you a note and you don't respond, I I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're asleep or walking the dog or in the bathroom, or maybe you have your power went out. Maybe you lost your Wi-Fi. I don't know why you're not responding. And so that added has added a level of just, it's made it a lot tougher. And so in a way, when we, when we eventually go back to work, go back to the office, nobody wants to go back to the office, but it will make my job easier, make all our jobs easier just from being together. The actual night for night, there's anywhere from, four to eight people working our jobs shift every night, depending on who's there just to keep us from being burnt out. Story comes in, first person reads it, publishes it for the web. It gets a second read. The layout person then takes it, puts it in the paper, assigns headline sizes, and maybe it needs to be trimmed. Maybe there's photos with it, things of that nature. And then one of those two people who read it will, will make it fit, write the headlines, things of that nature. They'll send it along to a slot and the slot editor is basically in charge of all the copy and the slot editor will make sure everything fits and give it another read and, give it a, and then they will set that story. We, the globe has three editions a night, nine, typically it's 9 30, 11, 15, 12, 30. So on something, for example, like Serena Williams is happening now at the U S open. And uh, so for the first edition, we might get the Serena story for first if she ends in time. And then for second, the columnist will write that story. Tara Sullivan will write that story. And then for third, we'll update, we'll fix it. We'll, we'll give it a read again. And also sub out any other wire stories like the other wire story about the US Open that's non-Serena. So there's the, the, the stories change two, three times a night depending on, depending on the event, depending on the story. 
So we're, we're busy. So we the, the night starts at 4.30 and ends at 12.30. And we're usually busy from, from start to go, from start to end. One last question with this before we shift back to education. What kind of person is good at, at this kind of job? In terms of copy editing, layout? In, in terms of all the different, all the different multi-platform stuff that you're doing at the Globe. That's, I never thought of it that way. A good copy editor, words and commas and grammar, grammar and spelling and stuff like that, they're kind of wired to do this because they, they like that order and they like their, their, you know, that, that, that comes well to them. And so you, it's not everyone can be a copy editor. And then the layout people, the design people have to have some creativity to them and they want to make the pages look good and they want to, they want to make a nice, it's like putting out a magazine every day. You want to, you want to make it look nice and you want the readers to enjoy looking at the paper. And so you need to have some sort of creativity, but you also need to be good with words and you also need to be a, have some sort of word skills and having a writing background helps. But there's also a time, there's going to be a, there's going to be time element too. So you want to be able to make decisions that you're comfortable with and communicate well. It's not for everybody. I mean, like I, I was saying before, I, I do get paid to watch sports, but it is nights and weekends and there's 10 million things I haven't got to do because I work Saturday night. I work Sunday night. I can't go to that thing. I, you know, and that's everybody I've ever worked with. We can't go to that thing because we work Friday night because that's when the sports are. But I mean, I, so you need those for, for a multi-platform editor, you do need to have those skills. You need to be, you need to be attention to detail. You need to be creative to in a certain element. You need to be confident in your decision-making process. I'm sure you've talked about this a, little, a lot in your previous conversations, but there's still a hundred thousand gazillion jobs out there for this type of work, because although the papers are going away, they, you know, this, the readership has not. And people have said for, for a long time now that the globe reporters are being read more now than ever before, because the whole world is their audience now instead of just inside 128. Exactly. You can subscribe from anywhere. Yeah. The one other, now, one other thing that you are involved in that you've basically headed up on top of both the things that you've already talked about is something called Headliners in Education. Can you explain what that is and its origin story? Sure. So the origin story is, is they all, they're all three of them are kind of intertwined. I was, I was working at the Globe and you know, the Herald before that, but I was working at the Globe and then I was volunteering in the schools. And it just, like I said before, it struck me that journal, journalism was a, just an amazing tool for education. I don't know if tool is the right way to put it, but program, piece of curriculum, because anybody could play and any, and any school, big, little, private, public. Being now that we're in the web world, it doesn't cost anything. You know, there's no, there, if you're putting out a print paper or print magazine, I mean, a magazine if you're doing some sort of print product, that costs money. That costs a lot of money to put out a, a, a magazine or a paper. And there's hard deadlines and things like that. But if you're just doing a, a, a school newspaper online, Google Sites is free. And there you go. And you're off and running. And now you can publish and the whole world can read your stuff. So you can't beat the access. You can't beat the student voice. You can't beat all that thing. So as I, as, you know, as I went over that before, but so what I've, I've been doing since 2007 is I've really been advocating for the wonderfulness of, of journalism in schools. And so what ended up happening, though, is at a certain point, I just hit this. This I was in all these different silos. I'm a Globe guy here. I'm an I'm a English teacher here. I'm a dad here. I'm a volunteer here. 
I have all these connections. I have all these people that I work with. I have all these people that I know. And, but yet I was at, I, I couldn't take it any further because I wasn't one thing and I needed a home for all this stuff to be. And I couldn't like, for example, so, you know, to get, to get paid or to buy things or to pay for, you know, to host something or to rent a room or to, to, to do anything that costs money. I didn't have any way to make money for this project because it was all over the map. So it, so what I ended up doing was I started this nonprofit in, called Headliners in Education and Headliners in Education was Headliners in Education was was founded in March 2020 right right before the pandemic hit we got our 501c3 walking papers from the official blessing from the from the IRS in March 2020 and it was just a way for me to put all this stuff I'd been doing under one roof and now I have here's here's an email address and here is a, here's our kids and here's our, our, our database and here's our website and things like that. And so what that allowed me to do was put all of my schoolwork and all my globe work and all of my uh, journalism shenanigans under one roof with a, with, a, with a way to go forward with it. The timing though really couldn't have been any better because as soon as the pandemic hit, it struck me that, well, geez, everyone's just sort of sitting home everyone has zoom how can we how can we do you know how can we make this a little bit better and so we just started doing what i started doing was basically reaching out and having guests and zoom guests and so i just reach out to people and say hey i have a bunch of student reporters would you like to visit on zoom and they said yes so we you know so we it was like any other story you just ask them and at some point somebody will say yes and then you have this nice thing but what was nice about that that spring of 2020 is we did all these different events and it was just, it, it was nice value added for, for the kids. We had people like Beto O'Rourke and, and, and journalists and photographers, and I'm going to miss a thousand different people now, but you know, Mike Royce, who I went to college with, who Mike Royce did men of a certain age and, and, and different TV stuff. And, you know, it was TV people and music people and authors and musicians and the boy who harnessed the wind. He was, an, you know, the author came on and Lois Lowry came on. And we'd had uh, college admissions people and, and, and things of that nature and college journalism people. And it was just a way to get the kids involved and get them to do something else. How does someone participate in this? Headliners is basically just a sign up. It's just a, it's just a free email. It's just a, you put your name on an email list and then I email out and I say, Hey, I got this. Hey, I got that. We have this press conference here. We have this contest there. There's a college scholarship here. And it's take advantage, don't take advantage. It's just an email. It's just a newsletter. And so over the years, it's grown and grown and grown. And so I have, I don't know, 24, 2,500 teachers and students in like 35 or 36 different states and four or five different countries. And what we've been able to do is we've been able to do this, take from that, from that universe, we've been able to do these things over the summer. So in the summer of 2020, we had a camp, a virtual camp. And then last year and this year, we had something we called Headliners of Summer. And Headliners of Summer was basically just a virtual newsroom. And we had 60 kids this summer from, from grammar school through post-grad who were just working, at, working for Headliners as, as reporters. And, and they all worked together virtually through Google and, and through our snow sites. And we published there. And it was great because they, they all could do stuff and they all could work together. And we'd have guests every Wednesday. And it were it's it was really fantastic. 
you know, you have these kids who just, they want to report or they want to do something or they want something for their college application or they want to go to a concert for free or they want to cover soccer or they want to meet whomever. And you get to do that through journalism. One other, one other project though, uh, that we're doing from this, we had such a great summer this year that we're starting something called interviewing the headliners. And interviewing the headliners is once again, another free program. And what it's gonna be is we do all these interviews all the time. So what I'm thinking, what I'm trying to do is put this in a school setting so that we'll have an interview on Tuesday during the day, during school, one Wednesday night with somebody else on a Wednesday night, and then a third thing on a Thursday during the day. And the hope is that, you know, if, if I have newspaper kids who are interviewing a MIT space scientist, well, that's a great story. But wouldn't there, aren't there science classes throughout the country who would also like to talk to her about space exploration? Of course there are. If we get a, if we get a presidential candidate, yeah, it's a great newspaper story, but aren't there civics classes and history classes that would like to take part? Yeah, right, that's a great class. And if there's an English, you know, if, there were, if there's an English class somewhere doing Shakespeare and Macbeth, well, then we can get this author, this playwright, or this, you know, you know, this actor to be part of the Zoom. So that's starting now. If anybody, I'll give you the link. You can send that out. But it's a, once again, it's just it's just free. It's just a it's just an email list, and hopefully, though, we're going to start that in the middle of September. Like I said, Tuesdays during the day, Wednesday nights, and Thursdays during the day. And if it fits, it fits. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's just an email. And it's just a, it's just something that hopefully is value added. So it's all, it all sounds awesome. And as you said, it's, it's free of charge. I want to ask about money. No. no um, a nonprofit or no? Oh, well, oh the, the idea that you are one? Well, just how does it, well, how do you pay for anything if I, if I'm a nonprofit? Yeah. Okay. That, that's fair. All right. So how do you, how do you, how is this program supported? I would, I, it's basically just been me and it's just on my free time. And that's been the hard part is because it's just a free sign up, And because it's just, it's hard to, it's, it's, we have nothing to sell. Cause it's just, a, it's just a, it's just an idea. It's just a, it's just a free program. We have nothing to sell. We have nothing to advertise. So that has been the hard part. You know, if anybody out there has a big bag of Jeff Bezos money they would like to, to <laughs> send our way, that would be lovely. Because what we did do, we, we were able to, for example, this summer, we had five interns, five college kids that we were able to scrape up some money and pay for. But I would like to do that on a much bigger scale. And I would like to have college interns working for, with the reporters because the, the high school kids love working with the college kids. And and so if I could pay interns and uh, and then by the same token... There's just all these other costs. So we're, I'm still trying to find out that, that, magic, that magic formula, like any other nonprofit or any other community place, to find that big bag of cash. I have yet to find <laughs> But maybe if one of your nice listeners would like to do that, I would be very appreciative. Sure. So consider the call put out. So lastly, we salute you for your work, and we ask you to do likewise. Is there a journalist or journalism organization that you would like to salute for their good work? Well, there's a couple. I mean, I work with all these great teachers all the time, but I'll give you I'll give you two, sure. if that's okay. One of them is is Laura Bergen, and Laura, she runs this thing called Press Pass NYC, and Press Pass is basically what I'm doing, except it's in New York, and she does it. She's much more organized than I am, and Press Pass NYC is all about starting school newspapers in New York City schools, 
And I believe last year they were able to train 10 teachers and launch 10 or 12 programs in New York. And it's just fabulous. It's, it's you know, it, once again, if I had that big bag of, of Zuckerberg and Bezos cash, people say like, what, what, what's, your, what's your end goal with the headliners? And my end goal with headliners would be to have every school everywhere have some sort of journalism program, whether it was an after-school program or, or a club or a teacher, that would be my end goal. And, and that's what she's doing. That's what her and the, and the folks at NYC Press Pass are doing in New York, slowly but slowly. And the other one is, is the other person is Ed Madison, who's out in University of Oregon. And he's fantastic too. And he runs something called the Journalistic Learning Initiative, JLI. And it's a nonprofit that comes out of the University of Oregon. And they work with, they do that same thing where they're working with high school, college students and high school students and bridging that gap and teaching and working with, with younger kids and providing lots of opportunities for students of all ages to get involved with journalism. And Ed and that program is fantastic as well. That's, that's very good because we've talked to him. You can find his episode in the show notes. John Vitti, thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck with all of the different projects that you're involved in. Mark, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at journalismsalute at gmail.com.